Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Glenn Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. All right, well, um, what I'm going to share today is, uh, even though it started out somewhat heavy, um, got a heavy word today. If you need the notes, uh, raise your hand, we'll get those to you. They're also QR code and online as well, but if you'll raise your hands to kind of cleanse the palate uh, to get you ready, I wanted to show some puppies um, because puppies and kittens, uh, no reason to divide the church over pup, but go ahead and show the puppies. I guess you saw the puppies, they're coming, but um, you know, in the middle of serious times, there are uh, there are beautiful things as well to see. Never mind about the puppy. Just cue them up for later. If if we need to go to them, I will say release the puppies. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, Father, release the release them. Yes. Um, not to be confused with release the children back there. So, but um, yeah, a few weeks ago, I I shared a couple of messages called "Facing Perilous Times" from Second Timothy three in which um, Paul describes, he tells Timothy, he says, Now know this, Timothy, that in the last days uh, perilous times will come. Times of great stress will come. And so we looked at that. We looked at some practical ways to successfully face perilous times, times we're in. And, um, you know, I called those my spinach messages. And because, you know, spinach is good for you. It may not taste that great, but it's good for you. And then Kyle gave another spinach message, although it was a lot better tasting in my mind, from Psalm 110. And then Pastor Nate gave a message last week, another I would call a spinach message on uh, not opening ourselves up to the occult. And so I would call today more of a, a kale message. It tastes a little different than spinach, still good for us. Kale is called a superfood. I'm not sure what that means because I don't know what that means other than to me it is super bad tasting, but (laughs) that's me. I'm probably the only one. Everyone else, oh, no, kale is delicious. And all the millennials, anyway. It's garnish, yes. So in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, Paul gives us insight into this phrase, the last days. The last days technically began when Jesus ascended to heaven back 2,000 years ago. But here in 1 Timothy 4, 1, Paul uses a different Greek word there, called, and he says, in later times. In later times, that's really talking about the last of the last days. Some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. That's New International Version. So we look at this, the the term um, later times, uh, specific Greek word. One Bible teacher taught that it was referred to, it was a nautical term that referred to a ship reaching its final port, 
Like, you know, when ships go on cruise ships, you go to ports of call, you get off, you go shopping, come back on. But when a ship reaches its final port, that's the last of the last days. And Paul gives two signs of the last of the last days there in 1 Timothy 4. I want to talk about three more signs of the later times of the last of the last days so that we can be like the sons of Issachar. First Chronicles 12, it was a tribe of Israel. The sons of Issachar, it says of them, they understood the times so they could know what their nation, for them Israel, ought to do. I take this both ways. I believe we are to be, the church is to be sons of Issachar so we can know how to bless Israel. I didn't erase Israel from 1 Chronicles 12. It's not in your notes, but I didn't erase that, but I also believe it's so we can understand how to be the salt and light in our nation. How we can stand up and affect and change our nation in these later times. So I want to share those three things. Um, another point I really want us to get as I share this is that it's really important that we learn to process the current events we're looking at today through a biblical worldview. What I mean by that is that we look at all the stuff that's happening around us through the lens of Scripture, not through a secular, cultural worldview. You see, there's only two, there are only two really real worldviews. There's the biblical worldview and the secular cultural worldview. And so any of us, I think the Lord's helping us, equipping us as a church to see things through the lens of Scripture. This means that we see something going on and we place what's happening, if you will, on top of the Bible. Okay, so I'm going to do a little illustration. This is what I kind of thought about. The Bible says um, itself that the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. So I'm going to ask Sloan to turn out the lights. And these are certain current events that we see today. Open borders. Oh, this will do that way. Yep, wrong side. Nope, now I'm taking video. <laughs> Well-oiled machine. There, thank you. Okay, so open borders. We place it and say, what's the light of Scripture saying about the open border crisis? We say... CRT, critical race theory. What's the Bible say? How do we see it? Is it? It's not like there's a verse. Critical race theory, 1 John, okay, but we see what's happening through the lens of Scripture. That's BLM, which is a Marxist organization that's against the nuclear family, that is pro-abortion. We see vaccine mandates. What is... Is this something that we can see through the lens of Scripture? We see gender fluidity curriculum for fifth graders or whatever grade. We see defund the police through Scripture. The Lord is helping us 
to look at life, to look at the world through this lens. And I will tell you, go ahead, thank you so much. I'll tell you this. Thank you, Kyle. Um, seeing things through the scriptural, through the biblical lens has really helped me to not pull my hair out in the last two years. It really has. It's like, okay, I'm, I understand where this is heading. I understand that the ship is heading in to its final port and where we are. And so these, these three signs, these three indications that we are fast approaching the end of the age when Jesus will return, and maybe it's years, decades, don't know when, but as we reach the end of the age, these are some signs that we should look at. And each one of these, you don't see them, but I put scriptures on the, on the pages. So I see those things, and I see these verses. And these verses are actually in your notes. We're going to kind of cover those uh, today. So three signs that we're fast approaching the end of the age or a ship reaching its final port. I tell you, I'm looking forward to that day when the Lord returns, when, he, when the ship reaches its final port, when he comes to set up the millennial kingdom. Because in that day, all the rage of Satan against Jewish people, against Jesus, against the church, is going to cease. In that day, abortion is going to cease. Drug overdoses is going to cease. Abuse is going to cease. Human trafficking is going to cease. Is anybody excited that we're heading toward that day? But on the way, look at some puppies, okay? Because it's going to be bumpy. There's going to be rough things that happen. But this is our finest hour as the church. You're here, you're alive today in this hour because God says you're up for it. You're up for making a difference, for taking a stand, but we must see things through the lens of scripture. So there are three here. The first one, paragraph A under Roman numeral two. So we're going to see an accelerated moral decline in our nation and in our world. Two verses there, and a lot of these that I held up, these little signs relate to these verses. Matthew 24, verse 12, the New uh, Living Translation says, Sin will run rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold, meaning in those later times, the natural affection that people will have for one another will begin to wane. But I don't really want to focus on that. I want to focus on the first part there of verse 12. Jesus is answering the question, what are the signs of the end of the age? And so the first part is sin will run rampant everywhere. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 7. Paul is also writing about the last days. And at the end of the age is what he's describing the chapter there in 2 Thessalonians 2 is, is starting around with verse 3 or so. is talking about the coming of the lawless one, the capital L, lawless one who is going to be the Antichrist. So in that context, 
The coming power of the Antichrist, whom he refers to as the lawless one, all of that is going to happen. The Antichrist is going to come and, and have a time of three and a half years of ruling on the earth. It's going to happen. Now, one translation of verse 7 says this. In the New International Version, it says, The secret power of lawlessness is already at work. In other words, before the capital L, lawless one, comes on the world scene, there is a secret power already at work in November 2021 in the earth today. The secret power of lawlessness is going to be paving the way. Now, little a, paragraph a, the Greek word for lawlessness, it's very interesting. It's the word anomia. And it comes from the word nomia, or the stem of that is nomos in Greek. And it means an established set of moral laws which govern a group of people, a nation, or the world. You put an A in front of nomos, and it means the opposite. The opposite. So when Paul says there's a power of lawlessness that's already at work, he's saying it's the opposite. There's a power that's working opposite of established moral law that governs people. He's saying now, now that established set of moral law is being deleted. It's being abandoned. It's being eliminated as we get to the end of the age. There is a rapid, radical deletion of established law that has previously governed people in the United States for 200 plus years in societies around the world for thousands of years. It's being deleted. Now, what's happening with lawlessness is they've abandoned that, and in the process, they're actually constructing or reconstructing a new set of values or laws. So lawlessness isn't just, I'm going to go crazy and go sin. It's saying, I want to tear down what we've always thought was moral. And I want to rebuild with a new set of standards of what, what we think is moral. That's what lawlessness is doing. It's tearing down what the old and trying to reconstruct a new set of laws that will then govern people. That's literally what lawlessness means. They're abandoning those laws, and they are compelled. See, remember it, that verse, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, says there's a secret power of lawlessness. It's compelling people to build a new society with a new set of moral standards, creating a new world order that's setting the stage for the lawless one, for the Antichrist. That's what 2 Thessalonians 2 is about. Now, you may say, 
But Glenn, I thought, you know, lawless, you know, sin and perversion, immorality has always existed. And you're right, that's true. It has for thousands of years. But there's something different about today. There's something different about the later times. What's different about it than other times in history is it's now happening on a global scale. On a global scale. Matthew 24, 37. These are Jesus' own words about his returning. He says, As in the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, what was it like in the days of Noah? In the days of Noah, sin had become so rampant. Sin and immorality were all over the planet. And so God said, I've got to destroy the planet. And only with the exception of Noah and his family, God had to destroy the, the planet because there was evil everywhere on a global scale. And then God promised, I'm not going to do that again. But that's what the days of Noah were about. There's always been sin and evil. But the coming of the Son of Man, it's going to be different because sin and immorality, perversion is going to be on a global scale. So what's different now is basically this. There are no more walls separating the nations anymore. You remember the Tower of Babel, Genesis 6? The, the people got together and they said, let's, get, let's build a tower to heaven. Let's build a stairway to heaven. They were all together. They all had one language. And so because they had everything in common, they got unified for an evil purpose. And God basically says in Genesis 6, we can't let this happen, Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's go down and confuse their languages so that they can't accomplish this evil all over. So what he did when God scattered their languages was, listen now, the languages, French, German, Spanish, Russian, they became walls. So that if sin and immorality and corruption broke out in a certain people group, it was compartmentalized. But now... With technology and air travel, you can be 3,000 miles away from someone else, but not really. Now with the internet and smartphones, you can hit, you can read a post in Spanish and click translate. English. See those walls. Now, we still have different languages, but basically, those walls have come down. Do you, do you all follow what I'm saying? So that's what's going on. Is now, as in the days of Noah, evil, the, the point, the letter A there, is we're, gonna, we're seeing an accelerated moral decline on a global scale because there are no longer separations like there have been for thousands of years. Do we need puppies right now? Are we good? Let's, let's go some puppies for, for just a second. Uh, puppies. 
There. Okay. I don't know what 8-3 is. How about Genesis 8-3? I don't know. Good. Okay, let's go with some uh, kit. Let's go with some kittens. There we go. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of doing this funny, but it's really kind of it's serious. Don't get so inundated. I felt like, all right, good. He's worshiping. Okay, great. All right. I'm not going to show of hands who's a puppy lover, who's a kitten lover. I love them both. I'm not running for office. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those barriers after the Tower of Babel, they've come down, allowing for the rapid increase of evil on a global scale like it was in the days of Noah. Not only is it accelerating everywhere globally, it is like there is a force, a power, compelling people to tear down existing moral laws that have governed them for centuries and establish new ones that they claim now are normal and good and right, and they're abandoning everything they've known to be right in favor, as I said, of a new society with new standards, a new world order. Dare I say, it is a satanic push to build back better. It is a satanic push to build back better because somehow they say all those old standards, they're not really. We're going to rebuild. And now we can all talk to each other. Now I can play a video game with someone over in Indonesia. I can connect with people throughout I can get on any YouTube and watch, and every, something can go viral like that. I think we're getting it. I prayed hard. Kyle, you prayed. Y'all prayed this morning for the spirit of revelation today. Sloan, I think you did. I think we're getting it. I feel that, that that's happening. The push to tear down existing moral laws is most notably introduced in the introduction of CRT, critical race theory, and gender fluidity in our schools. It's happening in that way. They're, it's like they're compelled in this reconstructing, they're compelled to defile the minds of school children. I wanted to show my own grandchildren if you could show Brooke and uh, Lane, when I see this and I think about, she's two, two years old, two and a half, I guess. When I think about critical race theory, they're basically teaching that Lane was born racist. So that, can you just see me? Saying, now, Lane, I want to teach you a new word today. Racist. You know, you know, you were born racist. Can you, do you see how ridiculous? Can you see her looking back at me going, waffles, I'm hungry, give me waffles. You know, to try to teach her that, it's, it's satanic. 
It's trying, it's, it's where we are. And so we're looking at these things through the lens of Scripture so that we will know how to respond in this hour. You know, someone thinking, no, you're, Glenn, just stick to the Bible. I am. In fact, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't help prepare us for this hour. Because the love of many will grow cold in not only natural affection, but our love for God will grow cold because we'll be just sitting there going, what is going on? See, we need the biblical, you know, there's the secular cultural worldview. It views the world through, through CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. The biblical worldview sees the world through New King James Version, New International Version, and the Passion Translation. <laughs> That's, we're having clap. We're, don't split over which translation. <laughs> Joseph Stalin said this. Education is a weapon whose effects depend on who holds it in his hands and at whom it is aimed. It's being aimed at our children through these curriculum, through these different things. There's something we can do about it. Something we can do about it. So we need to see these lies through the lens of Matthew 24, 12, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7. Romans 1.24 describes a society that's unraveling. It says, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. That's what's happening in the world. He gave them up to uncleanness. That means that God has been contending with man to not sin and uncleanness but when it says he gave them up for God to continue to contend with man's willfulness to sin, he would have to violate man's free will. And he's not going to do that. So he gave them up to uncleanness and lust of their hearts. And so then it says to dishonor their bodies. The Greek word for dishonor there is... To displace, this is verse 24, dishonor, you see it up there. To displace, it means to put their bodies in a configuration that's not normal. That's what to dishonor your body means. Then he goes on to describe homosexuality. Verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creator, the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. I'm going to go on and read some more. It's not in your notes. This is Paul writing, the apostle. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind 
to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with, now he goes on to other things, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, verse 31, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. As the end of the age approaches, it'll be like the days of Noah. We will see Romans 1 happening accelerated fashion across the earth. Second sign of the end of the age, paragraph B, increasing loss of personal freedom. We're going to see an increasing loss of our personal freedoms. I know that a lot of folks have difficulty seeing this and understanding this. So I want to make sure I say this correctly. I wrote it down. I don't want to mess it up. Little, little paragraph A, little A. We're seeing an unprecedented breakdown of the most basic functions of our society. I want you to think about this, and I want to give you a scripture. Currently, what's happening, fire, police, hospitals, military, schools, long-term care facilities, sanitation workers, food and freight delivery, air travel, all of those services are rapidly deteriorating before our eyes. And millions of Americans have been threatened to submit to vaccine mandates or be fired. I know some of you are thinking, you know, maybe, maybe online, he's, he's getting political here. But listen, we are talking about essential workers here. Doctors, nurses, Pilots, policemen, firefighters, Navy SEALs, the military. I mean, uh, port and dock workers. I could go on and on. I mean, we're talking the things you have to have for a society to function. That's not being political. That's saying, let's open our eyes and see what's happening. And know it's very biblical for us to be aware and to take a stand against this loss of personal freedom, increasing loss of personal freedom. This week, 20,000 sanitation workers in New York City were all put, taken off the job, leaving piles and piles of rotting garbage in New York City. Now, you tell me, which is, which is the health situation? Rats going all over garbage so that we want you to be safe and healthy. Okay? That was this week. 20,000 sanitation workers um, this week. We all know about the different police departments. 20% of fired fighters here. This, this number of teachers and doctors. A lady from Colorado with stage 5 kidney disease had a donor ready to give her a transplant but because she wouldn't get a vaccine, the vaccine, they, she was going to die without the kidney transplant. But because neither of them would get a vaccine, they denied her 
the transplant. So in the name of her health, they're going to deny her a transplant for taking the jab. So now she's in Texas. She's moved from Colorado to Texas. I don't know if she got the transplant yet, but like the old country song, God bless Texas. All right. God bless Texas. 15-year-old straight-A student in Montana dragged out of school in handcuffs for not wearing a mask, exercising her free right to an education. These mandates are not about health. You cannot believe that. One so-called leading epidemiologist a year ago, when when the protests broke out, This leading epidemic, I say that in quotes, said, well, you know, there are some things that are just more important than health or safety. I forgot what she said. Said there's some things more important, what did I say? Some things more important than safety. Really? Protests in the street, not wearing masks, whatever they're doing, no. All right, I'll, I'll stop on that. But that's, I wasn't against the protests. I was against the looting, the violence, right, the, the, the killing, the, all, all of that. But we can see it's not about health. It's about control. It's about control. So we have to look at these events through a biblical lens, not a, a natural cultural one. According to scriptures, I'm about getting close to ending here. There will be a time, according to scriptures, there will be a time when all freedoms will be taken away and absolute control will be established. That's when the lawless one comes into power. See, we're seeing the sign, personal freedoms being taken away. Revelation 13, 16 through 17. Really hope you get this in your thinking. As you look at vaccine mandates, by the, by the way, lawlessness, right? Defund the police. You can't get more. All right. Revelation 13, 16, and 17. He, the Antichrist, causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. Verse 17, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. I'm not saying the vaccine card is the mark of the beast. Don't hear me say that. We're not there yet. But what I'm trying to help us understand is that when we see this rapid, aggressive removal of personal freedoms, personal responsibilities, personal rights. The Bible says these are signs telling us that this is where we're headed. It's like the sign out on I-35. You go out on I-35, you see the sign there, and you start heading north, you're going to eventually wind up in Waco. Now, you can... Pray all the way to Waco. You can bind and loose and break curses and fast or take communion the whole way. You're still going to wind up in Waco because the sign is pointing 
to where that's heading. Okay? So the lawless one is going to come to power. But I had a picture during our Friday prayer of heading on Wake to Waco in one of these big Greyhound buses, you know, and, and on the way, what we can do is plunder hell and populate heaven all the way on the road. And I had this picture of that Greyhound, that Greyhound bus stopping and filling up with people who had been across the border on the other side, the kingdom of darkness. They've come across the border legally by the blood of Jesus to get on the bus. And then you get another bus behind it and another bus behind it. So where when Jesus comes back, there's, there's multitudes saying, Jesus, come back. That's why we're here. Worship team, if you can come up. Thank you, Lord. I got that was a fun picture to see that. The third sign that we're heading to the end of the age. We're not there yet, but as we're going to see an eventual worldwide economic collapse. Is that in the Bible? Absolutely. Verse uh, Revelation 6, the third seal, the black horse, uh, the third horse, when, when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius. A denarius is a day's wage for a common laborer. A quart of wheat for a day's wage, three quarts of barley for a day's wage, and do not harm the oil and the wine. What he's saying here is there's going to become, there's going to come a time when inflation is it's going to be on steroids. People are going to get so desperate financially, they're going to be, listen now, more compelled to accept the Antichrist who will come on the scene and offer an economic solution because after all, they got to feed their family. That's where, that's the third sign that I want us to look at. So that we will see this coming. A one world government, one global economy who will offer an economic solution. One world religion too, but we won't have time to look at that. If we're Christians, we got to know this. We've got to be aware and look at current events through the lens of Scripture. I found this on Mario Murillo's page. I don't know if you know Mario Murillo, but um, I'd like us, I'd like to read this, and this will be how I, we close this. It's called A Breed of Christian. A Breed of Christian. Go ahead, let's go ahead and stand up, if you would. I want us to, to hear this as a congregation. A breed of Christian is coming to turn America away from destruction. We are running out of time. They will be bold, creative, compelling, and express the deep love of God like a light in the darkness. We have entered a time of extravagant asking. 
It is a time to ask God for the impossible and the unimaginable. These askers are coming. Are you, am I looking at askers today as a new, at a new breed? Is this person you? We say yes. This person is you. You are that breed of believer. Ask the Lord for small things, big things, simple things, complex things. As a lover trusts in the beloved with confidence, anticipation, and expectation and delight, so too ask the Father. Ask Him for the things others have given up on. Ask Him for the things others have never dared dream. Ask Him for the impossible. Ask Him for the possible. Ask Him for the monumental. Ask Him for the seemingly inconsequential. May we be known as a generation of God's children who praise Him, thank Him, worship Him, give Him all the glory and honor, and ask Him for that which we yearn for, hope for, dream up, and need. May the Father delight in hearing the requests of His children, and then may we rejoice. May we rejoice as He pours out His answers on us. I believe I'm looking (laughs) at a a breed of Christian today. We cry out for God to help us. You didn't just stand up, but I want to direct us right now to say, I'm not just standing up, I'm standing before him right now. I'm standing before the throne right now. And I want, if it helps you to hold out your hands, I want to pray for us for three things as this new breed that we will commit to guard our eyes and our ears in this hour. That we will commit to lead our family and our friends in spiritual purity, in spiritual wisdom, to lead them spiritually, leading our family spiritually, and that we will not give in to a spirit of fear. Lord, would you help us now? Wherever we have let our eyes go on things or our hands go to things, whatever sin may be tripping us up, Lord, we, we, we confessed earlier with communion, but right now, Lord, we let it all go because we see, Lord, you want us to plunder hell and populate heaven in this hour. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We stand before you, not ignorant of the times we live in. Thank you, Lord. I want to close with that, with the prayer. I want our prayer teams to come forward. If you want healing for anything, if you want strength and power to guard your eyes and your ears. If you're today, you feel like you've been on the border between two opinions. You've been kind of in a, in a place of like, I really want to go all the way for the Lord. I want to come all, I, I'm, I'm not going to play around. Lord, I'm completely, I want to be completely sold out to you. I want you to respond today maybe by coming forward and letting someone pray for you or just make that choice in your heart. 
or somebody today, you're saying, you know what? I think I need to be water baptized today. But I'm all dressed up, but I'm all, you know, but you know what? Baptism is a way of saying I'm all in. If you're going all in today, maybe you got baptized years ago. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to get, it's all warm and ready. We got towels, but I'm saying, Maybe you never have. Maybe you said yes to Jesus. And you're like, this is my time. I'm, gonna, I'm going all the way today. Or you're saying, you know, I've been in compromise for, for a while, just in lukewarmness, and I'm ready to come in. I want you to, to come over and, Pastor Nay, if you can go over to him and tell him you want to be baptized, or Kyle. Pastor Nate, could you just close us in a, in a prayer of, of blessing? We're going to continue to worship, but I, I, I feel like that's, yeah, that's the call here. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we receive humbly the spirit of truth this morning. Father God, I, don't let us fall into a, don't let us fall into a, a prideful rut of going, well, at least we know the truth. Father God, may we humbly receive every ounce of truth from your word, every ounce of truth from heaven, God, and may we link our arms around others and help escort them into the same truth. Father God, as even Pastor Glenn said, Lord, we want to fill up the bus. God, I pray, Lord, that the gospel would go out. Friends, neighbors, co-workers, God, family members, especially as the holidays come. Father, no more no more passive stances on where we are with Jesus. I've lost a lot of friends in the last two years, God, but I wouldn't go back and do it any differently because I lost them because I wouldn't compromise on truth. Father, I pray, Lord, that as we don't compromise moving forward, Lord, that you would draw people into the kingdom of God. Father, God, that the things that used to satisfy in the world would no longer satisfy. Father, God, that as we see what's happening in our culture through the lens of scripture, we would be able to not be dragged down by that same culture that wants to steal our attention. But Father, our attention would be just totally fixed on you. God, and as our attention is fixed on you, others would look at us and go, what are you looking at? How do you have so much peace in the midst of all the trials? How, many, how do you have so much focus when there's so much confusion? How do you have so many answers when there's so many questions? Father God, may our gaze on you attract others. And may we help get their own gaze fixed on you as well. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray radical blessings on each one, God, on this family here this morning. Courage, Lord, for anyone who needs to be baptized or say yes to Jesus yes, even for the first time. courage today. Boldness today. Pour out courage, Lord. Yes. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.